Hey y'all, welcome to What a Crime to Be Alive. This is Carly. And I'm Pinky. And the story we have for you today is sort of recent. Um, It takes place in Delphi, Indiana in 2017. Um, So let's go ahead and get started. According to Wikipedia, it was a fairly warm February day in 2017 in Delphi, Indiana. 13-year-old Abby Williams and 14-year-old Libby German begged Libby's older sister, Kelsey, to drop them off at the Monon High Bridge. This 63-foot-tall bridge right above Deer Creek in the surrounding area was very popular to those who enjoyed the outside scenery. Because after CSX abandoned the bridge, it was used as a walking trail for many in Delphi. After a lot of convincing, Kelsey finally agreed to drop the teens off at the bridge under one condition. The girls must meet Libby's father at the agreed-upon meeting spot at 3.15 p.m. and not one minute later. Libby and Abby agreed, and when Kelsey dropped them off, it was around 1 p.m., so they had around two hours to walk along the bridge and trail before they had to meet Libby's dad. At 2.07 p.m., Libby posted a picture of Abby walking across the bridge on her Snapchat story. We will include the photo in our posts, but the picture is in a is a very innocent picture of Abby, and it looks like she's just having a, having fun walking across the bridge. At this time, there was a guy walking off of the bridge, and Libby's dad asked the man if he had seen the two girls on the bridge, to which the man said that he hadn't. WRTV Indianapolis reported that after Libby's dad walked around the area and couldn't find the girls alone, he called family and friends to help him search. By 5.30 p.m., family and friends were also unable to locate the girls, so Libby's dad called the Carroll County Sheriff's Department. Not long after the call for help, the Carroll County Sheriff's Department, Delphi Police Department, Delphi Fire Department, and the Department of Natural Resources showed up to search for Libby and Abby. For six hours, the crews canvassed the area, even pinging the girls' cell phones, but found nothing. The search was called off at 11.45 p.m. by Sheriff Lazenby, who said there there was no indication that the girls were in danger, so they would resume the search the following morning. The following day, Valentine's Day 2017, the same crews showed up near the Monon High Bridge at 10 a.m. to continue the search for the girls. The search started out as it did the night before, yielding zero clues. Until 12.45, when the search was almost completely stopped. This was followed by a press conference saying that authorities located two bodies in the search area, but the bodies weren't officially identified as Libby and Abby yet. At 2.30 p.m. on February 15th, authorities positively identified the two bodies found in the search area as Liberty Libby German and Abigail Abby Williams according to WRTV Indianapolis. Also found in the search area was Libby's phone, which luckily contained some clues. Police believe that when Libby and Abby were on the bridge, Libby was able to be so aware of her surroundings and maybe even scared enough at the time that she used her phone to take a picture of the alleged suspect and a voice recording from that same man. We will attach the voice recording now from the FBI's website.
It's kind of hard to hear what is being said because of all of the background noise, but the man is saying, quote, guys, down the hill, in a weirdly calm voice. The photo that Libby took of the alleged suspect was very blurry, but authorities decided to release that picture immediately. Pinky, can you describe what you see in the picture? Okay, so you see a guy walking with his head down, hands in his pockets. He looks like an average-sized man, maybe a little bit on the heavier side. Um, navy blue jacket, blue jeans, looks like maybe a brown shirt underneath the jacket. Um, I can't tell if that's a brown hat or brown hair. But, um, yeah, he's just walking with his head down on the bridge, as described, with the hands in pocket. As far as I can tell, this was the only lead they had. They didn't have names, and this picture definitely wasn't clear enough to help them very far. But according to WRTV Indianapolis, on February 16th, a search warrant was issued to a home very close to the bridge, and police collected evidence and took photos but no one was ever arrested or labeled a suspect or person of interest. Yeah, so I don't think these folks were necessarily suspects, but according to Wikipedia, the following were persons of interest. Side note, we know Wikipedia isn't always reliable. That's why we try to fact check with articles, but this is what we have for now. Paul Edder. He was wanted for another kidnapping, but killed himself during a standoff with police. Daniel Nations a registered sex offender who had been involved in similar cases, but an El Paso sheriff spokesman said they weren't at liberty to discuss. Um, there was a little bit of back and forth after that, but no further information was really released. Carly will tell us a little bit more about Daniel in a bit. Thomas Bruce, a former pastor who was charged with the fatal shooting and sexual uh, assault of two women. He had a similar stature to the suspect seen in the photo, as well as having a navy blue jacket, but nothing came of it. Charles Eldridge, arrested on charges of child molestation and child solicitation in 2019, allegedly resembled the sketch of the suspect, but the updated composite sketch ruled him out. There's actually two more, but we'll discuss them a little bit later as there have been some newer developments. So let's go back to Kelsey for a second, Libby's older sister. According to an interview with The Sun earlier this year, Kelsey is experiencing survivor's guilt and always replays those final moments with her sister. Um, I didn't put this in the notes because I wasn't sure if it was relevant to the story, but um, just to bring some, not light, I wouldn't say light, but to make this seem more relatable, Kelsey said that, she recalled that she made sure that her sister and her friend took their sweatshirts with them because um, although it was still pretty warm, it was, it was you know, wintertime, and that her family always emphasized telling each other that they loved each other. So she remembers um, her sister getting out of the car, and they told each other they loved each other. So I thought that was a tender final moment, I guess. Um she replays those final moments with her sister all the time, wondering what she could have done differently. She can't recall a specific reason as to why the girls wanted to visit the Delphi Historic Trails, 
but explained that there's nothing else to do in their hometown besides go out to eat, kind of like Ashlyn. So she suspects the girls just wanted to enjoy the day outdoors. She said neither girl ever mentioned that they were meeting anyone there. Carly, do you want to read these quotes from the article about the Snapchat video? I'm tremendously proud of her, Kelsey told the son. I don't think she imagined at the time it would be such a big thing. I think she was just taking a video to show us later and say, hey, look, this really weird guy was on the bridge earlier and this is what he looked like. But the fact that she did take the video and she thought something wasn't right and she had to take it, it just amazes me. It amazes me that she was able to think of that in that moment. I don't know where the case would be if we didn't have that video. I think that's the one thing that intrigues people about the case to continue to look at it. On February 19, 2017, the man in the blurry picture from Libby's phone was officially named a prime suspect in the murders. A couple of days later, WRTV said that authorities finally released the audio from Libby's phone. The tips kept coming in and authorities vetted each tip, but they were no closer to finding the man than they were when they started. A reward for information was created and continued to grow to over $200,000. The next thing that happened in this case was in March of 2017 when a search warrant was issued for the property and house on the property where the girls' bodies were found. Ron Logan was the owner of that property and he fully cooperated with police. But the search was basically just a formality and police didn't find anything. They also didn't suspect Ron had anything to do with the girls' murders, but the bodies were found on his property, so they had to search his house just to be sure. Fast forward to July 17, 2017. Police released a composite sketch of what they think the guy in the blurry picture on Libby's phone looked like. Pinky, will you describe this composite sketch and talk about what the similarities and differences you see between the actual photo and this composite? So, um, like I said earlier, the brown on his head, I couldn't distinguish whether that was a hat or hair, but in this sketch, it is a hat. Um, looking back at the other photo, it kind of does resemble a hat. Um, the differences I would point out is that they, they put a goatee on this guy, which you cannot see a goatee in the photo that was taken on Snapchat. It's not high res, high resolution enough to see that. Um, they added a hood, which you can kind of see a hood in the original photo. You can't really tell if that's a hood or a collar, but, um, I think it's pretty spot on. Maybe they added some other things from eyewitness accounts or tips or whatever, but as far as, you know, the, the facial shape, the hat, I think that's, I think it's pretty accurate. The Indy Star said that the police thought this guy was in his 40s or 50s, and not only were they able to create this composite based on the picture from Libby's phone, but they also had eyewitness testimonies claiming that this guy was in the area at that time, and several of the witnesses were able to give a detailed description of him. A few months later, a sheriff's department in Colorado reached out to the Indiana State Police and expressed their concerns in the case because they felt that this case was very similar to one that they just solved, in which Daniel Nations was the perpetrator. This led Indiana State Police to name Daniel Nations a person of interest, 
and they made the trip to Colorado to interview Daniel and collect some DNA samples. In February of 2013, Indiana authorities were asked for an update on Daniel Nations and the girls' case, and everyone was surprised when the police said that they hadn't cleared Daniel yet, but they weren't really looking into him anymore. That was really it for a long time, like six years. In April of 2019, Indiana police announced that they had a significant update in Libby and Abby's case. This significant update was another sketch, a sketch that, according to the Indy Star, police wanted people to use instead of the first sketch they released. This sketch supposedly showed the suspect as much younger, between the ages of 18 and 40, but that he looked very young for his age in general. Pinky, do you want to talk about this sketch for our listeners? This looks like a completely different man. (laughs) So there's like an extremely defined jawline and chin. Um, There's this curly fro type thing going on. I'm not trying to be funny, but they have his face like in the middle of the head and they just had this humongous head. So there's like tons of forehead and chin. Um, long neck. (laughs) That's, that's, I mean, you know, they said the suspect was supposed to be much younger, so you can clearly tell this is a younger person or a younger version, at least, but looks nothing like what we've seen before. In that same press conference, Indiana authorities went on to say that they believe that the person responsible for the murders of Abby and Libby either live and work in the Delphi area or visit the area a lot. This case still remains unsolved to this day. There have been some leads that police thought would lead them to the murderer, like in 2021, according to ABC News 7, 42-year-old James Chadwell was arrested in Lafayette, Indiana, for kidnapping and attempting to murder a 10-year-old girl, but nothing has came of it since. Also, last month... According to WDRB News, Indiana State Police released information about an Instagram and Snapchat account titled Anthony underscore shots. Apparently, this is a catfish profile that was used to communicate with teenagers. The account used images of a male model and portrayed a rich man with sports cars in order to solicit nude photos and in-person meetings with underage girls. Court documents link 27-year-old Keegan Anthony Klein of Peru, Indiana to the Anthony underscore Schatz accounts and in an unrelated 2017 case. For that unrelated case, Keegan admitted to speaking to 15 underage girls and receiving over 100 images, so he was charged with one count of child solicitation, one count of child exploitation, two counts of child exploitation, possession of child pornography, one count of synthetic identity deception, and one count of obstruction of justice. He remains in custody on those charges, but has not been charged in any way in connection to the Delphi murders, and it is unclear if investigators have spoken to him at this time. Police do continue to vet all leads, so if you have information, please contact the Delphi Homicide Tip Line at 844-459-5786 
or email information to Abby and Libby Tip at C A C O S H R F dot com. Um, one thing that just stuck out to me, I didn't know that you could actually get charged for having a catfish account. Yeah, I did um, just because of where I work. Um, not that we've had any catfish cases or anything like that, but that's something that we've talked about that you can get charged with catfish cases. Um, typically, they don't really look into them unless it has things to do with underage children. Okay, I didn't know that because obviously there was a whole movie and there's a TV series called Catfish, but those typically don't involve children. And I feel like some of those might be like embellished a little bit to make good TV. But this has nothing to do with the case. I'm going out on a tangent here, but like, I think we all have or had a friend who made a fake account just to check out other people's stuff, like a burner account or just to, you know, tweet or comment some stuff you wouldn't want to say under your real name. But obviously those are different scenarios. Um, Crime of the week. I know the last few crimes have been kind of intense. So I was trying to find a funny one. I didn't really find a funny one, but um, I did find one that I could relate to a little bit and probably Carly can too. So as we've said a million times, we both went to UK, University of Kentucky in Lexington, Kentucky. And I lived in the dorm for two years and then I lived in an apartment complex. And yeah, those those were my residences while I was an actual student. The dorms I lived in were old, so nothing, you know, nothing to write home about. The apartments I lived in were decent. I liked them, really had no complaints. Maintenance was cool or whatever. But the campus is rapidly growing, and there's a lot of apartment complexes and buildings popping up. And what ends up happening is that these contractors throw these buildings up so quick to get students moved in and get leases signed that once they move in, you know, a ceiling fan will fall off or you're turning your doorknob and it'll fall off or you turn on the shower and um, hot water comes out and there's no cold water, just silly stuff like that. So anyway... The headline for this one from WKYT News is, <laughs> and it's not funny, it, it, <laughs> UK housing worker accused of breaking into 860 student suites. Now, this isn't an apartment complex. This is actual dormitories. But a now former UK housing contractor with access to 160, I'm sorry, 860 suites is accused of theft. Pol- UK police say around 1,600 students are potentially impacted. Um, according to arrest records, Christian Lowe even admitted to police that he took cash from Boyd Hall and, um, (laughs) the cash was in his closet at home. UK police were first made aware of the theft pattern when residents in Boyd Hall reported missing items from their rooms. The residents said they left for a football game on December 29th. When they got back on the 2nd, they noticed stuff was gone or moved. Um, One roommate reported that her sunglasses, coach purse, and $500 
Yeah, $500 cash. Oh, and an iPad were gone. The citation goes on to report that Lowe is a contracted Graystar employee. According to the report, he has badge access to the suites, did not have a legal reason to be in the residences. However, the police said they found Lowe with brass knuckles and around $1,300 in cash. And like I said, he did admit to entering um, several rooms, not just in Boyd Hall, but in Holmes Hall as well. So the little tangent I went on earlier didn't really have anything to do with this crime, but them contractors be shady, especially in college towns. Like contractors, landlords, they will do anything and everything to get a penny out of these students who are going into debt just to get an education. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and it's funny because me and my friend Erica, we lived in Boyd Hall. Mm. We actually lived there. <laughs> So, yeah, that's crazy. Um, I also wanted to mention one more thing about the Delphi murders. Um, it's not necessarily factual information, but just something I had an opinion on. Um, I feel like in most murder cases that we talk about, the police did not do a good job. In this one, I feel like they did. Um, they secured the crime scene. They, you know, issued a search warrant because of a formality. They went to Colorado and interviewed a person that they thought might be a person of interest. Um, so I feel like at this point that they did, um, a, a decent job. Um, as far as, I mean, you can't really do anything if you don't have anything to go off of. And I get that, but, um, I feel like they did everything that they could as far as the crime scene and investigation went. Another thing about the Delphi murders is, as far as the pop culture references that I've been trying to incorporate into the episodes, there weren't any for this particular case, but you'll be pressed to like not find an episode of law and order SVU or, um, the first season of euphoria or any, any show or movie where a teenager, whether that be a boy or a girl is lured into a bad situation via social media typically someone who isn't being honest about themselves on social media. So that isn't even really pop culture. I think that's more of an awareness thing for kids and their parents that this stuff is happening and it doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. Um, anything you want to add before we go? Nothing. Okay. I will add something. Um, Carly and two of her friends started a Ashland moms group on Facebook and is blowing up. So if you're a mom, support that. Um, I'm not a mom, so I haven't joined. I'm letting the moms have their space, but I think it's awesome because there's not a day that goes by when you don't see somebody wanting to figure out activities to do with their kid, especially in times like COVID. So shout out to Carly, Stevie, and Allison. My bad. All right. That's all we got. Holla, baby, flamingo. Flamingo.